Welcome to the Spring into Data podcast series by SAP. This podcast series is a follow-up to our analytics series of last year. We are not letting grass grow under our data. Our new 2021 spring collection of podcasts will take an even deeper look at analytics topics like master data governance, data-driven strategies, content management, and more. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our Spring into Data with SAP session today. My name is Greg Strelzig, and I'm a Senior Director in SAP's Center of Excellence covering our regulated industries practice. I'm delighted to be today's host for our session and take you through this journey. So when we were talking about projects in general with our collective team and what we want to bring to a customer for this webinar series, one of the subjects that always came up was proof of concepts and how they can be successful. When our customers are trying to begin these big data management, analytics, AI projects, and all in between, they always tend to lean towards a proof of concept and typically find that that path is not always the easiest with regards to being successful. As you'll hear in a second from a couple of our speakers, they both have an amazing background with how to start, finish, and be successful throughout the process and after. So with that said, let's jump right in. I'd like to introduce you to Jim Rapp and John Sinter. Guys, can you introduce yourselves, please? Hi, Greg. Thanks for having us. Um, I've been with SAP almost 18 years. Um, I'm an alumni of Business Objects and the SAP Innovation Center Network, and I'm part of the Technology and Innovation Board area, um, part of a team of designers and engineers called Strategic Customer Engagements. We help customers run POCs focusing on SAP's business technology platform. Nice to be here. Hi, everyone. I'm John Santer, and I'm uh, a PhD in Statistical Machine Learning. My background is really helping organizations and teams get up and running with those very first POCs, so focused on uh, teams that don't have that institutional experience in, in how to get things up and running. And I've been doing this with uh, SAP for about three years now. So let's dive right in, guys. When we talk about proof of concepts, what are some of the considerations or things that help with getting this process started? It's a great question, Greg. Um, I think the most important thing is to have a business problem in mind. Uh, we hear from a lot of customers, what can I do with RPA? How can I apply analytics to my business? But if you start from the other angle, right? So for example, I'm spending a ton of hours on manual data entry for sales orders. Or I need to know the impact of risky spend on my overall procurement process. Right? These business challenges are really a great point to start with. So what we like to say is, Avoid this mentality of, I have a hammer, and now I just need to find a nail. What do you think, John? It's a great, it's a great point, and it's one that really addresses a, a key lesson learned that I've, I've developed over 10 years of doing these sorts of POCs, and, and that's that you need to find and identify problems that are large enough that they engage with the uh, executive team. We really want to see that executive engagement uh, because that executive engagement allows us to have the roadmap, the runway, to be able to deliver a result that's, that's really valuable. But at the same time, you need to have uh, something that's scoped at the right scope so that the technical team can uh, deliver a result within a certain time period. These are almost like Goldilocks problems. They have to be large enough to be interesting to the, the C-suite, but they have to be small enough and tightly scripted enough that they can engage really with the, um, with the stakeholders. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Jim, about you know, how you've been able to find that, those kinds of engagements? Yeah, um, so typically we like to try to bring together somebody from IT and someone from the business. And frequently the first thing you need to ask that business partner is just, what's keeping you up at night, right? What are the things that are causing you so much pain and suffering that 
you can't focus on, on the big parts of your job, right? And going into a POC with a common understanding of that challenge that not only you want to solve, but will really move the needle for your partners is, is a big ticket item, probably the biggest of all. It's a great idea because, in fact, that, that keeping you up at night is something uh, I use it a little bit differently. I, I think about a lot of our POCs and, and think about the persona of a good data scientist, someone who's going to help you move forward. I call them nights and weekends projects. Um, and that's because a good POC really gets everybody so excited that uh, the blurring of the lines becomes something like, oh, 3 o'clock in the morning, I realize how I could address that. Or if we solve this problem here, it might be able to project across the rest of the organization. And I, I love seeing and being involved in engagements where that's the case. And one lesson that we've learned is that oftentimes when we get that executive buy-in, that C-suite level engagement, they will find someone who will act as a surrogate uh, sort of stakeholder for them. So you may not be having a regular cadence call with C-suite, but they are staying up to date through um, someone else that they put as a trusted stakeholder in the team. And that really helps to drive home uh, the importance uh, of, of the engagement. The other uh, part that I would really uh, like to think about is, is something that um, is the educational component that has to happen. Right? Our technical stakeholders are involved with trying to deliver these projects, and we're there to help them understand what the opportunities are. We'd like to make sure that they really understand not only how to develop this, but also to project that forward on future work. Um, Jim, have you ever run into situations where you know, our clients are able to continue that, that uh, discussion after they've, they've worked with us? Yeah, I love that example, John. Um, so we recently did a POC with a, a large government agency, and it was all about changing the way internal audit functions, right? And we asked them, this uh, director of the Bureau of Audit, if you had a magic wand, right? So forget about technology for a moment. If you had a magic wand and you could just wave it and get a solution, what would that look like? And really, putting it into that type of almost fantasy business context helped us identify a technical application for machine learning. Um, and as you might know as a data scientist, John, sometimes the, the customers just think that is the magic wand, right? And really having them focused on the outcomes as opposed to the specific technologies is a great way to maximize success. You know, and I, I'll, I'll echo that as well. One of the things I, I've just completed some other discussions and some other um, um, presentations, and one of the things that that really brought out is this idea that, you know, from my perspective, I represent the algorithm, and I don't care whether the algorithm is very simple, it's just a simple count, whether it's a moderately complicated or moderately sophisticated solution, or whether it's, you know, bleeding edge technology. What I'm interested in is ensuring that the data as it's organized and the output, whatever it is, can be utilized. You know, we think oftentimes when I work with clients, they think about the modeling phase as being the most important piece. And it absolutely is extremely crucial. But you can start with very simple processes, and those simple processes can turn into results that move the customer forward. And the kind of envisioning and the kind of open-end discussion that, that you're speaking of, Jim, really supports that model. Just don't worry about how we're solving the problem. We'll keep bringing new, newer and newer technology in as you reach the limits of the technology that you have implemented. I think that's a really important piece and, and something that our clients would, would use productively uh, going forward. Greg, what's your, what's your thoughts around these lines? Guys, I think this is great. I mean, you know, I've been a, I've been a part of uh, countless, you know, proof of concepts, you know, to where they go in so many different directions. And, um, you know, you all made great points, and I wish we had those points prior to completing you know, these proof of concepts. And, and I think that's the reason that we're here, you know, to, to pick your brains and, 
uh, really understand how we, we grasp that concept and, and get from start to finish. Um, one thing I'll note, <laughs> I, I wish that I had uh, that magic wand, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of our customers <laughs> wish they had that magic wand as well. So you guys talked briefly on the key stakeholder topic. Um, you know, that's another one that I'd like to bring up because I think, you know, it, it's, it plays a, such an important role when we're talking about proof of concepts and, and really having everybody on the same page. So, um, and what I mean is, you know, not only the business users, but having the C-level executives uh, together in the same room, you know, talking about the same topics, I, I think that makes for just such a successful proof of concept uh, you know, John, can you elaborate just a little bit more on, on that topic? Absolutely. You know, the reality of it is that um, oftentimes when we go into these POCs and we have a C-suite level engagement all the way down to the individual technical stakeholders, those are uh, sort of collections of an audience in a room that often doesn't happen. And that's really exciting. It's really neat to be part of an organization where the person who's just managing the database is in the same room as the C-suite engagement and they get to see the importance to the overall company um, of, of, of these different, you know, all the different components fitting together. And that's coming from the technical side. That's not something that we're, we're often exposed to. I really like to think about, you know, in a POC, um, I like to think about all the different opportunities for us to start different types of conversations. So there are POCs that we get involved with that are heavily dominated by the persona of the business question that's being asked. And in many ways, this is something that's, that's really quite crucial. Sometimes we realize the business question that's being asked is, is straightforward and we're dominated by the early stages of data collection. So people who are um, working very closely with the database are the most important sort of people for moving the process forward. At other times, we're really working with a problem that's modeling based. And so we're thinking about um, the data is available, it's a clear customer use case, the modeling decisions really drive the POC. At other points, it's really about a go-to-market strategy or it's the results of whatever we've been working on can go in a couple of different directions and depending upon which direction they go, it will change the way the company is focused. And that's really where that experience is really quite crucial in terms of uh, delivering great results. Jim, what are your thoughts about this? John, I really like the idea about bringing people who often don't meet and talk about common business problems into either a physical room or a virtual room together. Um, it's critical to have somebody in a senior leadership point of view sponsor the effort, bring those people together and start the conversation. But then it is equally, if not more important, to have somebody that is actually doing the work, right? So I use the example of an RPA bot for manual data entry. Having that empathy established for the payables clerk who spends four hours a day manually inputting data and knowing that if we can solve the problem, that person's life will not only get better, but they'll be a lot more productive, right, contributor to the agency. I think uniting the vision with the execution is something that too frequently goes uh, un undiscussed or untold. What do you think? Well, I, it brings to mind an example we had uh, very early on when I was working with SAP. We were working on a project, and we had a client who was involved with um, with a shipping problem. And so they have this very complicated process of um, products moving around a space. And they had outfitted their environment with RFID chips, and so they could see very clearly where products were moving at certain times. Very interesting engagement. Uh, great opportunity to have C-suite alongside the people who were working in the, the manufacturing house and the people who were dealing with the data quality. So we brought them in for a final discussion. 
And I put together just a, a small graph that, that gave great resolution and great visibility into understanding where the products were actually moving on the shop floor. Now, the shop floors are distributed across a wide geographical area. Um, the, uh, all of the management organization was in one particular location. So they have a view and understanding of the process, but they're not intimately acquainted with it on a day-to-day -day basis. As soon as we put that, that slide up, the um, CIO stood up and walked over to a particular set of processes we're having and said, how is this happening here? What's, what's going on here that this, this uh, connection is, is happening? And that turned to the shop floor owner and the shop floor owner said, we think this is probably what's the case. And then very uh, quickly after that, the database uh, engineer was actually connecting to the database to gather more data so we could answer this additional question that was sourced in this situation. And that's a really unique opportunity. Um, it's one that I don't think we can ever uh, take for granted. And it feeds into probably the most important lesson learned that I have over 10 years, which is the first thing that comes out of every POC I've ever been involved with is increased data visibility. You can see relationships. You identify information that otherwise had been opaque. Now it's transparent. Do you find things that are similar to this, Jim? Constantly. <laughs> In my time doing POCs, <laughs> I would say data visibility is a, a guaranteed outcome. Um, and it's one that I think at SAP we maybe take for granted, right? This fact that if you have to spend time reconciling information from spreadsheets and everyone has their own version of the truth, if you have a lot of complex transformations between your original system of record and the final point of consumption, there's a lot of opportunity for people not to be on the same, same page, right? Not be speaking the same language. And sometimes just arriving at that common understanding is enough to move mountains. You know, I think it's interesting. Um, one of the, the, uh, the second, the corollary, if the first step is the data visibility that we see so regularly, the second step that I often see is um, that we rediscover things the uh, subject matter experts already know. You know, I work across different industries. I work in very different spaces. So I'll go into um, a place with a deep technical background, but naive to the business practice. Uh, and I think that has some real advantages. There's certainly some disadvantages. And you can position people at different times in different places. But what I really like about this is that when I rediscover uh, something that the subject matter experts understand about their underlying data, it gives them credence and uh, viability to our overall engagement. Um, and I think that's uh, something that, that we really I really look for. You know, I look for that data visibility, and the second step I'm looking to say, ah, I've discovered this thing. And they say, yes, we know that. And then everybody feels good because they know the process that I'm going through actually is, is yielding real results. Um, do you have anything, you know, any thoughts about that, Jim? Yeah, I think it's, it's paramount, right? So the ability to ask a question, get an answer that is underpinned by real data, and then ask a follow-up question it really opens new frontiers for people to come together, share ideas, and be marching to the beat of the same drum. So I think we're, uh, we're speaking the same language here, John. Greg, anything you want to add on the topic? No, I, I think that you, know, you, you guys both made such valid points. Uh, you know, in my experience with the, the proof of concepts, you know, it comes down to the sum of the whole, right? So um, you know, you, you can't have a successful POC when you don't have everybody on board. Um, and, and that takes, that, that means from the top down, it, you know, it takes great execution, but it takes everybody, you know, speaking the same language, like you just said, um, you know, whether they're a data manager, you know, whether they're an ABA programmer, um, you know, or whether they're, uh, you know, a CIO, it, it doesn't matter. We, we have to have everybody on the same page and that's what really drives, 
drives the dis- discussion and how, you know, we can be successful. So, I, you know, I think those are great points, guys. So, guys, we, we touched on this briefly as well, um, you, you know, and it's, it's talking about challenges that companies may face or, you know, agencies or institutions when trying to complete a proof of concept. Um, you know, Jim, can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the challenges that you may see uh, companies, agencies, or institutions, uh, you know, when they start to do these proof of concepts? Yeah, Greg, great question. I would say the most frequent challenge I see in customer POCs is when the expectation is a fully built solution, right, instead of a rough and ready prototype that shows whether real investment in a project is worth it or not. And on that note, we like to say try to fit your POC into a scope that's manageable in six to eight weeks. And up front, spend some time agreeing on a feature scope so that is the things that you want to prove, but also give some thought to the success criteria, right? So how do we know that we've proved that scope? And then get your stakeholders to sign off before you start building. What do you think, John? You sort of took the words right out of my mouth. You know, the, the reality is that um, we'd all love to have these perfect solutions that, that answer or address all of our needs, but some needs are more important clearly than others. And some solutions, addressing some of these needs, uh, require solutions that are clearly more complicated and some that are, are more straightforward. And it's really crucial to um, bring in some, some knowledgeable individuals who understand the scope of those to help find that Goldilocks solution that I spoke about earlier, you know, something that's complicated enough and, and sufficiently of scope that it really delivers value, uh, but at the same time is small enough that you can, you can produce a working prototype that helps you to understand what that is. And I'd like to also underline your, another point you made, which is that the, um, the real key, the real value of a POC is to prove that something offers real potential and is worth further investment. That is ultimately the goal. Some cases you get far along. In other cases, it's, things are fairly, um, things are just about seeing that vision and seeing that the vision meets where the, the road and the, the engineering teams and the data that you have, actually, it all works together. Um, Greg, thoughts? Yeah, John, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, when we talk about that, and, and that's why we're here, is, you know, how do we get it from start to finish and, and visualize a full proof of concept? And, and like you said, you know, many times we see companies with an idea, and that idea may come to fruition, but it, it, it doesn't hit the nail on the head per se, um, you know, or it doesn't get finished, or we might change our road path. Uh, in the middle of the process. So, you know, I think those are valid and, and great points, guys. So we've talked a little bit about getting started, you know, some of the challenges and, and you know, how we go about getting buy-in. Um, but, you know, one thing that we really haven't talked about is our, our topic at hand and what it takes to truly be successful, you know, with a proof concept. Jim, do you want to start us off and, and you know, help us with, you know, what it really takes to be successful with our proof of concepts? Yeah, thanks, Greg. Um, So we mentioned already the importance of having a business problem. But if you don't have one in mind, you can consider using tips from the Innovation Culture Kit by my colleagues in the SAP App House, along with the collaboration tool like Mural, right? And these things can help you form your point of view. Uh, But tools like this support SAP's human-centered approach to innovation, which really breaks this whole process into five distinct phases. And POCs operate in the first three. Okay, so we provide some specific guidelines for how to run an exploration to identify a challenge. 
and then how to synthesize and come up with a project scope where you really nail down what you want to build during your POC. And it would be a great time for me to ask John for his opinion on scoping and building of the actual prototype. Jim, it's really uh, relevant uh, that you bring up the App House now. It's, it's very timely as I have just been in the process of working with the POC and we're in those sort of final stages and we're realizing um, now that the, the early stage design, that ideation phase, um, we move too quickly through. And so we're engaging with the App House as, you, as we speak. We just had a meeting this morning uh, to actually bring them back in to, to help solidify and, and encourage that, that early stage. But you know, from my perspective, the world that I live in really is this discover and, and really designing the project. And the discovery phase, particularly with data, is extremely important to get right. Um, I can say that I, I remember from an engagement I had a number of years ago when we were working with a client and they had proposed six months of data spread geographically across the world. And in the process of a two-hour data discovery workshop, we realized the scope that we could use um, was really just a tiny fraction of that. It was uh, about one location only, and it was over about a two-week time span. So it's, it's much more um, uh, highly scripted than what they had originally envisioned. And that's not only useful, it's important, because when we made recommendations based on that reality, they were able to implement those changes in their, in their plants moving forward uh, very quickly. So within a month of actually just doing the discover phase, there had been a change in their actual business process. Now, once we're up and running and we're working in that, that we have our data, we've, we've you know, aligned it with what our goals are, and we're working to create that early prototype, the one thing I'd like to point out that perhaps doesn't uh, get enough, enough attention is that there will be multiple personas in the room, and on any given engagement, there will be one or more personas who really drive um, that uh, situation. Certainly, there are times in, in POCs where the work that I do is really the linchpin or crucial, but there are just as many times, in fact, there are more, where it's not my work that really drives us forward, it is the designers for the front-end interface, or it is the back-end work that's required to get data into the right spot. And so I think it's important when you move into the design phase that you keep an open mind about the kind of personas that you need. And this is one of the reasons why we like to have that, that large uh, collection of different stakeholders. So depending upon where the conversation goes, those, uh, those stakeholders can really lift things up and make sure they are at the center of, of, of our work structure. And of course, once we've uh, finished that, we're ready to present the, the POC, the actual the project, uh, in terms of the delivery phase. Greg, do you have any uh, thoughts about that? Well, I think that's great. Um, you know, when we talk about the, the delivery phase and, you know, the whole process, you know, I think that's what, you know, really helps with the conversation, right? Because when customers get into a POC, and I think I've mentioned this before, is, you know, they, they may get into it and, you know, something might change, just like you said in that example, you know, two months in, um, you know, we, we had a change. So, um, you know, being able to, to be agile and, you know, move with the customer, um, but also understanding that you do have to have the buy-in from, from top to bottom is key um, and, you know, really have a good sense of what the proof of concept is going to be about because, you know, if you don't have that, and you don't have the buy-in from the stakeholders, you know, it's not going to be successful, right? So, so I want to take a pause here for just a second, and uh, we've got a couple of questions in the chat that I want to, want to get answered real quick. So, you know, the first one is, what do we see from a time frame perspective when completing a POC? Um, Jim, did you want to take that one for us? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, our sweet spot is generally around six to eight weeks from end to end. 
Um, my team likes to follow the agile development methodology and then break that into one-week sprints. Okay? And at the end of each week, you culminate with a sprint review with your project sponsors. And this is typically like a one-hour virtual meeting where you show some progress, discuss any uncertainties and requirements, but most importantly, incorporate that stakeholder feedback early enough to make small pivots along the way. Um, my mantra is keeping your stakeholders involved in the process really maximizes your chances of success in that six to eight week time period. Wow, that's great. Yeah, six to eight weeks, I, you know, I would have thought, and I think most people would have thought, you know, we're, we're looking at six months or, or something like that. So I think six to eight weeks is great. You know, on to the next question, the, without naming names, can you give us a couple of examples of successful POCs? Um, John, did you want to take that one? Absolutely. Uh, great question and really relevant. We like to look at uh, individuals who've come before us and had success to sort of understand what, what, thing, what shape it might look for your organization. You know, I, I like to divide my sort of questions about POCs up into two categories. One is the first category, which is processes that are about the internal process of just keeping your organization up and running. Right? There are times when our POCs are about those internal processes, and there are times when our POCs are based on the core contribution that that, uh, that, that customer delivers. So we had a client that was interested in using some um, natural language processing to do alignment between uh, certain portions of text in this natural language processing toolkit using the natural language processing available to us in HANA, we were able to very quickly uh, import a large, large volumes of data, find opportunities for where text was in alignment to address the concern that they had, uh, and be able to deliver results back into their system. So it was almost seamless from their perspective. And that's a great win. Um, again, this isn't their core business uh, contribution, but it was an important piece that allowed them to facilitate their core business. Uh, similarly, we had a Another client, and uh, in this case, it's a high-tech manufacturing client, they were very interested in understanding better what was happening on their assembly line. Right? Their question that they had was, you know, can we identify where there are potential problems? And so they, of course, have a tremendous amount of, of background information uh, to understand where uh, errors are occurring. They've got manual and automated stop checks. And we were able to get in, look at their data, uh, discover results that they were already familiar with, but also discover results um, that they, they weren't yet familiar with, and we really were able to help change their process. And that's really what I'd like to, you know, to think about is that any time we're involved with one of these engagements, the goal should be that the POC shows clearly how once the POC is fully uh, turned into a production-grade solution and adopted, there will be a procedural change within the organization. Thanks so much, Greg. hope that addresses it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's perfect. You know, the procedural change with a completed proof of concept is something that I think we're all striving for. And, and that's really what this topic is about, you know? So, um, you know, if we can have more companies doing that, I think that, you know, it will just be outstanding, right? So, um, you know, great questions, um, you know, from the chat and I really appreciate it guys. One topic I did want to cover today was, you know, our top do's and don'ts and, you know, when we really look at a successful POC, obviously, you know, you guys have been through a, a, a zillion of them, um, and, and I think you have the best practices, and we've talked about some of them. But, you know, Jim, did you want to just cover, you know, maybe your top few do's and don'ts uh, for a successful POC? Yeah, Greg, I think it's a good time for us to do a little summarizing. Uh, so first and foremost, I would say 
Do set a clear scope and a timeline before you start. Don't try to build a productive solution right away. Right? Start small and focus on value. And my final do is get inspired. Right? So we're working on a use case factory for SAP's business technology platform. And this allows people to really try out use cases with code samples and reference architectures. Okay? And you can find all these use cases in the forms of missions on the SAP Discovery Center. So my, my parting suggestion on do is see what other customers are doing with technology and, and take away some inspiration. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think having a clear, you know, plan of attack, but really understanding the process is key here. So, you know, thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. So now that everybody's inspired, I uh, just want to say that, you know, Jim, John, and myself are available. If you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out. Also, um, you can reach out to your SAP account executive uh, for more information as well. I do want to give a big shout, uh, shout out to John and Jim both for the inspirational conversation today. Uh, it was great, and I, I greatly appreciate it, and I hope everyone got a lot out of it. Thank you for joining our Spring Into Data with SAP session today. Here's to wishing you a spring into your step. Have a fantastic day.